Welcome to GeoThoughts Talks. I'm Drew Bush. In GeoThoughts Talks, we bring you lectures from our team, partners, and collaborators on topics important to the GeoThink audience. GeoThink Summer Institute may have just concluded, but for those of you who missed it, we bring you four talks to remember. In our fourth talk, we join Peter Johnson as he kicks off day two of GeoThink's 2016 Summer Institute by inviting students to dream that they are civil servants at the City of Toronto when the city receives a hypothetical F rating for its open data catalog. From this starting premise, Johnson's lecture interrogates how outside agencies, academics, and organizations evaluate municipal open data programs. In particular, he discusses problems with the current impact studies, such as the Open Data 500, and what other current evaluation techniques look like. Uh, so, as Pamela said, my name is Peter Johnson. I'm an assistant professor at the University of Waterloo in the Department of Geography and Environmental Management. There's lots of familiar faces out here, both Waterloo students, people from McGill, and other people who I'm sure I've met at previous GeoThink events, but there's also lots of new people as well, so that's pretty cool, and it's amazing to see new people being sucked into, uh, you know, the <laughs> GeoThink sort of bubble here as well. Uh, and I think that's fascinating that people are actually writing on pens and paper, right? Like, I think that's, that's an amazing development. I'm reading uh, Anne of Green Gables to my oldest daughter uh, at bedtime these days, and we're at the part where she breaks her slate over top of Gilbert Blythe's head. Some of you may know Anne of Green Gables, some of you may not. Anyway, so I'm thinking back to, this is set in like turn of the century-ish, uh, Prince Edward Island. Anyway, so the idea that we're using slates and you know keep erasing and that, we're so lucky that we have things that will record forever, or maybe not lucky as the case may be. All right, so I'm going to talk a little bit about the success of open data. So open data is a research area that I've been involved with uh, since the start of GeoThink uh, a few years ago, looking at measuring the value of open data from the perspective of municipal governments, but also from the perspective of different user communities, so however you would want to define those user communities. So but before I get into this, you know, this is the, the boring sort of traditional academic talk, and maybe not as animated as Richard, but I'll see what I can do here. Uh, I want you know, to sort of close your eyes and dream for a minute. Right? So dream that you are working for a municipal government of your choice. Let's just say Toronto because we're here. Right? So you're working for the city of Toronto. You're in charge of advocating for open data. Um, you, know, you can open your eyes now. Right? You're in a place similar to this. You know, you're working at City Hall, beautiful city hall like this. You know, Drake stops by every once in a while just to sort of see what's going on down at City Hall. It's a wonderful place. You get to walk through those, you know, probably brutalist, modernist doors every day and, you know, realize that this is what your office actually looks like, right? You know, typical sort of cube farm. But, you know, you talk with all your coworkers. You're talking about, you know, really amazing things like different data portals, right? How can we, you know, let people download data sets in shapefile format, in GeoJSON, in XML? You know, you're really getting all nerdy with all this stuff. You've got, you know, data sets plastered up on your, as your wallpaper on your desktop. Um, you're really into the open data user license. You know, every clause and every term that goes into that open data user license, it's amazing. You're working extra hours on the weekends. You're not getting paid for it. And you're developing a beautiful new open data catalog just like this. I didn't use the city of Toronto one because it's neither new nor beautiful. So I used the city of Waterloo one, which is new and relatively beautiful, purchased from Esri. Uh, anyways, so you're super proud. You have a launch event. 
You know, your open data catalog is out there, everybody's loving it, and then you get an email that says you got an F on your open data policy. You got an F on your open data portal. Who is it who's evaluating me? It's some agency in the, from the United States, you know, who's a nonprofit who goes around and evaluates other people's open data catalogs. So from your perspective as somebody working in municipal government, you know, you're kind of getting the short end of the stick here. Who are these people to give me, to give me an F? Okay? So this is the, the situation that we sort of find ourselves in when it comes to evaluating open data. There's this uh, you know, sort of world outside of government that's you know, bent on evaluating open data. And those are people like me, academics, those are nonprofits, those are you know, private sector organizations who are looking at open data and trying to understand you know, how is it being used. So this is kind of, a, I think, a sign that open data has arrived a little bit, right? It's not just this sort of dusty, sort of nerdy cobweb in the corner of the municipal government basement. It's something that other people are noticing and other people are taking an interest in. So because of that, there's increased scrutiny that's being placed on the municipal provision of open data, for better or for worse. So this has generated you know, sort of activities amongst these external actors. And open data serves many different populations private sector, nonprofits, media, journalists, academics as well, other government agencies. So all these different agencies are involved in evaluating uh, open data. Now there's some problems with this as well. I'm gonna go over, this is one um, fairly popular approach to evaluating open data. This is the Open Data 500. Has anybody ever heard of the Open Data 500? Okay, it's produced by a academic, nonprofit, profit-funded sort of you know, a group in the United States run out of NYU called the GovLab. Basically what this does is it conducts a voluntary survey of open data users. This is in the United States mostly, although they have spin-offs in various other countries, including one starting in Canada really soon. Um, and what it tries to do is it tries to match data access between the provider and the user. So we have the provider, you know, specific federal U.S. department that's generating data, and it's trying to match, okay, so who's using this transit data? All right, well, we've got these, this transit data that's produced by the U.S. Department of Transportation. It's being used by these other actors. And it's kind of like making these matches, right? Like a matchmaker sort of game here. And try using that as a way to sort of justify, well, the transit data is being used by however many hundreds of agencies all across the country, so it must have value to it, okay? Now, this is really high, high level. If you go to their website, you can see a really awesome diagram like this. These are all the different sectors uh, are on one side and then the different sort of themes. So you can see sort of these linkages across. But what it does is it sort of homogenizes the data and homogenizes the use, right? It doesn't really get into the amount of data that's being used, how it's being used, and the actual value that's being generated from that. It's just saying this data is being provided and other people are using it. They could be using it once, they could be using it a hundred times, they could be using it a million times, right? And there's no sort of sense of how that, how that factors in. This is another one, this is the Open Cities Index. This is for Canadian municipal governments. So this is um, done by the Public Sector Digest, which is a private sector news magazine that is kind of like a vector for selling municipal management software. So it's sort of like a front end on top of a sort of a data management um, business. So what they did is they ranked um, open data provision across Canadian municipalities. And again, this was a voluntary survey that they conducted with uh, municipal workers at different cities across the country. So they had three things that they were looking at, readiness, implementation, and impact. Those are the three sort of pillars of their evaluation. So they looked to see whether key data sets were being provided. So they had a checklist, pretty much, right? 
of different data sets that they went through each city and said, well, are you offering this? Are you offering this? Are you offering this? And each city got points towards like a cumulative overall score based on that. So the problem, and we've got like a ranking here. So Edmonton did the best all the way down to, uh, I forget which one's at the bottom. There are some that were not actually listed on there because they did so poorly. They didn't want to embarrass them sort of thing. So the problem with this is that they asked some really tricky questions. Things like, uh, have entrepreneurs used your data? All right, which I just would sort of challenge whether a municipal government would actually have a comprehensive view over how entrepreneurs would be using their data. Because as we know, open data is provided. Uh, there's not really any sort of like registration or checks or authentication that you need to do in order to access that data. So how do they know when people are actually accessing it? So I'm not sure exactly how municipal governments could have answered this survey in any meaningful way without having this comprehensive view of what the, they would actually, who would actually be using their data. Uh, it also, I think, assumes that respondents have a lot of this information and it assumes that cities are being treated equally and that cities have the same sort of mandate. So one example is one of the data sets that they're grading uh, cities on is whether they provide crime data, right? Crime data, super useful data to have. Problem with crime data is that it's often provided by a police force, right? So the police force, although they may be you know, operating within the city of Toronto, they're not actually part of the city, right? They're a sort of a separate agency. So they may be providing that data, they might not. But a city that doesn't offer crime data would be unfairly penalized under the system for not offering it, even though it's not the actual, it's not their data set to offer, right? So it becomes a little tricky trying to compare these different things. Same with health data, you know? In Waterloo, we have a regional municipality of Waterloo that does public health. So that's a totally separate governmental agency than the city of Waterloo. So the city of Waterloo would be unfairly penalized for not offering data that they don't actually own. So these are just two examples of all the many different types of rating systems out there. I kind of picked on these two because I feel like um, they're both broad, the Open Data 500, and the Open Cities Index, you know, looking specifically at you know, certain data sets, it's a little more specific. But both of them kind of miss some of the, some of the tricky bits about actually measuring open data. So this is where I kind of come in, trying to sort of balance between some of these, these different tensions in the world of evaluating open data. So as I said before, I'm part of GeoThink, and I developed a study here looking at the supply side assessment of open data. So supply, we're looking at it from the perspective of the generating governments and how those governments provide data. So broad sort of research question here was how do municipal governments currently evaluate their open data programs? Rather than coming from the outside and sort of evaluating uh, what governments might have publicly up on the web, I wanted to ask them themselves, <laughs> you know, how do you actually evaluate your own open data provision to try and get like the insider perspective here to see how they're offering this, this information. So I conducted interviews with Toronto, Edmonton, Vancouver, Victoria, the city of Waterloo, city of Surrey in British Columbia, the region of Waterloo, which is an upper tier municipality, and then the regional municipality of North Frontenac, population about 1,600. So that's uh, sort of like rural eastern Ontario. Uh, so these were cities that, some of these are GeoThink partners, some of them are good examples of large cities or cities that provide open data. Uh, North Frontenac was included because it's one of the only small, at the time that I did this, one of the only small municipalities that actually provides open data and has an open government uh, policy and an open data license. So they're sort of like leading the pack due to, of course, one visionary um, worker who works for them. Uh, anyway, so this is, these were the, the samples. Uh, 
research that I'm going to present here has been accepted for publication, hopefully coming out soon. Uh, so survey questions, just general survey questions that I asked. So who uses your data? And most importantly, how do you know who uses it? Right? They may have an anecdotal sense, but you know, how are you actually trying to track this data? What outcomes constitute success? So what are the outcomes of your open data program? How do you measure success? And what are the current evaluation methods that you might use? So nothing super fancy here. Um, pretty cut and dried. So I'm going to go through the three sort of big findings that came from this. So first one, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the results and then some of the, the findings as well here, kind of putting them together. So finding number one, so improved tracking of open data access and use. So when I asked who uses your data, problem was nobody really had any idea who actually uses their data. So if you're trying to assess the value of open data, understanding how it's being used and what it's being used for is kind of a, a, you know, the first place to start. Problem was, as I said before, municipal governments don't really have robust tracking mechanisms that would allow them to produce much in the way of either quantitative or qualitative metrics uh, about who would actually be using their data. So they might have things like downloads or web views or page views through their open data catalog. If they have something like Socrata, there's some other like web analytics in there, but that's all really basic, right? And just because somebody downloaded something once, Again, it doesn't mean that they ever actually used it. It doesn't mean they ever actually opened it on their computer. Um, or if somebody downloaded it once, they may have built an awesome app with it and thousands of people use it every day. We don't know, right? Um, so, the, so right here I have, this is a bicycle parking data set here as well. It's got some of these metrics. So it's incredibly tiny and probably nobody other than me can actually read it. Uh, but we've got visits, you know, visits to the page. We've got downloads. We've got comments, right? What you got to get out of this is that there's lots of visits, a few downloads, and then no comments, <laughs> right? So that, I think that's typically the way these things go, right? Lots of people are looking at it, a few people are downloading it, and then nobody comments on it. All right, so recommendations for this to improve passive and active forms of access or use tracking. So one is to these passive measures, right? So this is access, so improved web metrics. Trying to understand um, with as much as you can with passive web metrics, where people are coming from, if they're repeat visitors, uh, and then how often they're downloading it. So some cities didn't even have that sort of basic level. And then developing active forms of tracking. So this is a lot much more tricky to do, but things like outreach by municipal staff. So having events, um, going and meeting people, having um, inviting people into government, right? And going and actually asking people, what are you using our data for? And that was one way that a few municipalities that I talked to were really getting their most valuable feedback, right? It wasn't the random emails, it wasn't the download metrics, it was actually going and meeting with the people who would be using it, or having uh, like code fest type of events where many people would come together and access data. And that's where they get their, their best feedback. Okay, finding number two, use a broad definition of value. It's really a slippery concept to nail down in and of itself. What is value, right? So what outcomes constitute success? You know, uh, just publishing data. That was the number one thing that, that was mentioned is, you know, just getting the data out there, just getting it up and over the wall, as we like to say, right? That was a major, for the governments that I talked to, that was a major indicator of success, was just getting things up. And I can understand that, right? Something that's quantitative, they can point to it uh, when they're talking with their supervisors. They can say, you know, we published, you know, 10 new data sets this year, our catalog's growing, we've got the largest catalog in Canada, you know, those types of things. Um, 
It's also, one other comment was that the process of opening data created organizational support. So having your open data advocate running around uh, and working with different departments that might be resistant to open data created uh, a measure of success in and of itself because it kind of brought people maybe over onto the open data team, right? It generated that sort of goodwill between municipal departments that allowed them to continue to publish open data. One thing that came up during these interviews was that the economic case for the value of open data was really difficult to make. So if anybody's read this report over here, this is the McKinsey report on unlocking innovation and performance with liquid information. You know, goes into great, well, hyperbole, I guess, about you know, the potential economic benefits of open data. You know, a trillion dollar business worldwide, huge savings, all these things. Um, with a lot of you know, caveats attached to that, right? And kind of a general way of actually tracking that. So this is sort of, I think this report, which a lot of people cite, has kind of set the tone for open data is going to be big business, right? It's going to have a huge economic impact. And the respondents that I talked to really wanted to move away from that. Um, they said, well, sure, there, there might be this economic impact to it, but if we're hanging our hat on that, if that's something that we're really going all in on, trying to establish that you know, we're generating you know, hundreds of startups by releasing open data, it's going to be really, really hard to actually prove that in the end. So they tried to sort of backpedal from that a little bit and make releasing open data less about generating new business and more about providing better service to citizens and providing transparency, right? So those two other sort of motivations for generating open data. That was what they really wanted to sort of focus on, sort of the transparency and the better service to citizens aspects. And those they found were easier to validate. So recommendations in this uh, sort of area. So again, the definition of value should be broad. So when we talk about value, it's easy to try and put a dollar sign in front of that, but we should look at um, other types of value as well. So the transparency and the um, service to citizens ones as well. And then also trying to tie that to different areas, uh, different organizational goals, right? That would be without, that would be throughout the organization. And the last area with Mayor Quimby there. So develop internal support and review mechanisms. Very few of my interviewees had any sort of annual report that they needed to do or any sort of direct chain of uh, reporting that they needed to do at the end of the year. It was all very much ad hoc. They would report to council when council asked. They would report to their uh, project manager when that, was, when that was required, right? There wasn't this sort of institutionalized reporting structure that they needed to, um, to do. So a lot of this uh, came from these, what are their current evaluation methods? It's really you know, the support from council or managers or that one sort of open data champion, whether that's a councillor or whether that's the mayor. You know, having somebody who can then say, well, you know, yes, you're doing a good job. I can see this sort of progress being made. Um, again, little formal reporting, no benchmarks, very few specific goals. Uh, and it's this sort of ad hoc fashion. And this sort of goes back to the start, sort of the genesis of open data is being run off the side of somebody's desk, right? And we're just sort of seeing this become more formalized now. And this is one of the recommendations that sort of came out from these interviews was that to create this organizational buy-in, you needed to formalize um, open data, either within its own department, having people who are specifically employed uh, to produce open data or to work with other departments to help them produce open data, having job titles that are specifically dedicated towards open data rather than being, um, you know, 
it's under IT or it's under communications in different areas of the organization spread all over the place. Um, having that nucleus of activity and producing open data um, can help to create that internal support, that sort of streamlined reporting mechanism um, as well. Okay, uh, so those are sort of like the three main findings that kind of that came out of this research. So I just sort of like to wrap up here a little bit, sort of overall here. I'd say that you know when I started thinking about developing open data metrics, I was like, okay, well there's there's the money side, and we'll, you know, we'll think about some of these other sides as well. But it's become a very slippery and very I think problematic um, thing to try and do, just because. There's very little kind of commonality, I think, between different jurisdictions, right? It's the kind of thing that can vary quite a bit uh, between different areas, and it's really difficult to try and, try and create something that can be replicated in other areas. Um, and a lot of the outcomes from open data are not easily captured, right? It's data that's being given away for free with no tracking attached to it. So actually trying to follow up on that takes a lot of legwork, and it can be very difficult to do. So it becomes a lot of time and a lot of effort for you know, the government that might be producing that open data to go around and ask everybody, well, so what are you actually doing with our data? You know, how long did that app last? You know, do you have a viable business model that's emerged from this? You know, what does it mean for your organization? And if we look at identifying you know, what does access to open data mean for every single open data user community, it can be, mean 100 different things to 100 different people. Right? So it can become very difficult to try and tie those together. It's also kind of going back to sort of what I started out with, you know, looking at the Open Data 500 and the Open Cities Index, is it's, you know, who gets to define these metrics? Uh, is it government that gets to define their own metrics for internal usage? Is it the private sector? Is it these, you know, NGOs who are trying to look at open data as like a global phenomenon? Is it academics? Uh, it's really tricky to think about who gets to define those. Uh, metrics and there may be actually competing metrics. I can imagine that there could be internal metrics at a government that says we're doing a good job that might conflict with external metrics that say you're not doing a good job. So it can be very difficult. So later on today, I think you're going to have a chance to work in your groups or different groups, same groups. We're not sure. Um, so I just kind of wanted to give some some kind of like thoughts or some questions that I would ask about any group that would be trying to develop metrics, trying to develop new metrics. And these are kind of the four questions that I would sort of ask about any metric when I would encounter it. So who is your metric targeting? Okay, to whom is it relevant? Right, a metric developed for internal use uh, in a government is very different than a metric that would be developed by the private sector or uh, another government as well. So what's the sustainability of your metric? Would it still be relevant in five years? Right? Um, this is where something like data downloads right, might not really be all that relevant in five years when everybody's accessing data through an API, that type of thing. Uh, what's the cost of the metric? So these things aren't necessarily cheap to do, right? Can you do this every year? You know, if you have to go around and interview a, a subset of your users, that's gonna take a lot of time and a lot of effort, right? Is that something that can be done every year? And last, um, as an educator, I think this one's kind of funny, right? Teaching to the test, right? We think about standardized testing or standardized measurements in grade schools or high schools. And there's always going to be a certain amount of trying to game the system, right? Teachers will teach to the test. If there's a, uh, you know, in higher education, there's all these like university ranking systems out there. And there, people spend a lot of time trying to think about how to make their institutions do really well under those systems. And that might mean diverting resources towards something that is measured in that system and taking resources away from something that's very valuable but not measured under that ranking system. 
So that's another sort of question that I would ask about any sort of ranking system out there is are we teaching to the test here a little bit and does an externally imposed ranking system change what a government might actually be doing that, uh, in, in providing open data. So that's all that I have. I don't know if there's questions now. No. Geothoughts are brought to you by geothink.ca and generous funding from Canada's Social Sciences and Humanities Research Council.